If you have your Bibles, we're going to James chapter 4. We'll read verses 6 through 8. How many are glad to be part of the family of God this morning? Amen. What a wonderful family it is. Praise God. Amen. Love his family. Love his church. The Apostle James writes, he says, But he, being Jesus, giveth more grace. Everybody say, more grace. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Or get close to God, and he will come close to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Taking our thought this morning from verse 6, and I'm going to read that from the Amplified. It says, but he gives us more and more grace. Through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud and the haughty, but continually gives the gift of grace to the humble who turn away from self-righteousness. He giveth more grace. For the next few moments this morning, I want to preach from this title, The God of More. The God of More. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. God, we sense your presence in this house today. You are good, Lord. God, our heart, we thank you, Jesus, for being here, God. We're so grateful for your presence, God. It's just another meeting if you don't show up, Lord. God, things are happening in this house because you're here. I pray this anointed word, God, would find its lodging place, God, in the heart of men right now. God, that you would break chains of addiction, God. Lord, that you would break chains of sin, God, that you would set hearts and minds free. I'm asking you to do it this morning by the power of the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, would you give him praise one more time? Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The God of more. According to the Global Language Monitor, there are 1,019,729 words in the English Dictionary. The Global Language Monitor estimates that in modern world, a new word is created every 98 minutes. Each year, an estimated 800 to 1,000 new words are added to the English dictionaries. In the 20th century alone, more than 90,000 words have been added. Editors of the third edition of the Oxford English Dictionary, to be completed by 2037, they estimate by the, that the rate of inclusion of new words by then will be about 4,000 words per year. This dramatic increase in new words is largely due to technology and how people spontaneously coin new words in their email and text transmissions. They spread quickly and efficiently via social media. A large percentage of new words are what they call blended words a word that combines the meaning of two distinct words. For example, cineplex is formed from cinema and complex. Or you know the word bromance is formed from brother and romance. Staycation is formed from stay and vacation. You're smart folks, you get the idea. 
Over the last few years, there's been a particular new blended word that has been invented and also put into mainstream use. It was British economist Pippa Melgrain who is generally credited with inventing this term. When you take the words shrink and inflation and you blend them, you come up with the word shrinkflation. Merriam-Webster's defines the word this way. Shrinkflation is the practice of reducing the product amount or volume per unit while continuing to offer it at the same price. So pastor's not just preaching the word this morning. He's going to give you some good economic advice, okay? CBC recently did a story on the subject of shrinkflation. Ellen Newell of Edmonton felt duped after a recent grocery shop. She had purchased two boxes of family-sized honeycomb cereal, paid the exact same price. When she unpacked her shopping bag, she noticed that one box was slightly taller and slimmer than the other. Turns out that the shorter box is older packaging, which is being phased out. The taller box, the slimmer box, is new packaging. But taller doesn't necessarily mean more. In fact, when Newell took a closer look, she discovered that the new box has 70 grams less cereal, a reduction of almost 12%. The first thing you think is that, how could they do this to us? You feel upset. You feel deceived, she said. It's called that term, shrinkflation. And it occurs when food producers shrink items but not the price or the packaging, making it hard to detect. It's been going on for years. They actually made the box look bigger, but yet put less product inside. Because shrinkflation can be hard to detect and identify, it's difficult to know precisely just how widespread it is. CBC News combed grocery store shelves over the past couple of weeks and found several cases of shrinkflation. Wheat Thins Crackers has shrunk 10% to 180 grams. Now, I want you to make sure you're seated firmly for this next one. Original Craft Dinner has been reduced 11% to 200 grams. General Mills Betty Crocker Super Moist Cake Mix has shrunk 13% to 375 grams. Despite the reductions, the price and the packaging remain the same or greater for each product. Prices, in fact, may have even increased in many cases. To help Canadians be informed, Toronto-based strategist Neil Toen makes TikTok videos exposing this shrinkflation. They've garnered millions of views and heated viewer comments. He said, they're furious, but not at me but at the fact that this is actually something that is happening. When CBC News met with Chohan, he was making a TikTok video about Ben & Jerry's ice cream, which recently shrunk by 5.4% to 473 milliliters. Now, i got to pause right here and say, when you start messing with people's ice cream, you're going to have a problem. Canadians should also be aware that some food products shrink when some food products shrink below a certain amount, they also must pay sales tax. 
So although many grocery items are tax-exempt, shoppers must pay tax on snack food such as muffins, pastries, cereal bars, cookies, and packages that are less than six, uh, less than six in containers of ice cream, less than 500 milliliters. That means tubs of Ben and & Jerry's and Haagen-Dazs ice cream recently shrunk from 500 milliliters to 473 milliliters and 450 milliliters, respectively. That means that Canadians not only get to pay the same price for, per tub of ice cream, but they actually get to tack on tax to that. You see, the world is in the business of fooling you into thinking that you're getting more than what's really there. As I was listening to this story as a preacher, and it always happens, something began to kind of kind of shake inside of me a little bit. This, this concept to me, it sounds a lot like sin. It advertises a lot, but in reality it gives very little. It advertises great big things, but in fact what it does, it yanks things away from your life little by little. Right off the top here, we need to understand two facts. We want to establish them. The first fact is this, that our God, He is a giver. The scripture tells us that he loves to give to his people. John 3.16 says God loves the world so he gave. Luke 12 and 32 says it's his good pleasure to give. The second fact that we need to establish is that our enemy, he is a taker. John 10 and 10 tells us that he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He is in no way interested in what happens to you. The enemy is no way interested in what becomes of your life or your future. The enemy will take as much from you as he can take. The enemy does not, uh, does not stop to t until everything is gone. But let me tell you this. He operates by shrinkflation. He'll take a little bit after a little bit. Oh, the packaging will still look nice. It'll still look very similar. It'll still look the same, but yet he's taking away little by little by little. And can I warn you this morning, he will not stop until everything is gone. He won't stop until you're at the bottom of the barrel. When you become aware that God wants to give to you and the enemy wants to take from you, it will change the way you live your life. It will cause you to live with a spiritual awareness about your life. As a people of God, as people here in 2023, we cannot just wander through life with ease. We must be awake. We must be aware of the tactics of the enemy. The prophet Amos, he warned Israel. He said in Amos 6 and 1, he said, Woe to you who are at ease in Zion. You see, we need to understand that it's not time to sit back. It's not time to relax. It's not time to be at ease. The, the word ease that is spoken here by the prophet Amos, it was not of a physical state. 
But he said, don't be at ease in Zion. He was talking about a spiritual state. This ease, it spoke of indifference to what really mattered. It talked about indulgence to sin. It talked about laziness. It talked about unawareness of what was going on around him. You need to remember that Amos prophesied during a time of economic prosperity for Israel. They were not poor. They were not wanting for physical needs. This was a time when they could have had many things taken away from them in a physical manner and still had plenty. But, if so, but the fact is, if somebody or something takes for long enough, little by little, you'll eventually be left with nothing. No matter how well off you think you are, no matter how much you have, if it's continually taking from you, the simple process of math lets you know that eventually, little by little, taking from the same pile, you'll eventually be left with nothing. Keep in mind this morning that we're not talking about material wealth. We're talking about something that is much more important than physical wealth. We're talking about spiritual things. We're talking about spiritual wealth. You see, material wealth, it's spoken of in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. But thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. I'm good, Brother Keith. I really don't need anything. I don't need any help. I don't need anybody nosing in my business. I certainly don't need any God. They think they're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You see, we can have everything in the way of material wealth and still have a greater need that is left untaken care of. You can be increased with goods and not be increased with God. Until God takes his place in your life, I promise you, it will always feel empty. You see, true spiritual wealth, it has only one source. Our God is the source of all that you would ever need. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, it says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. I'm talking about physical needs. I'm talking about spiritual needs. We have a God who covers it all. If you put him first, he'll take care of you. There are several different versions of the verse we took our thought from this morning. And for, for even more clarity, I think we should just explore some of those this morning. The God's Word version, it says, but God shows us even more kindness. The Scripture said God opposes arrogant people, but he's kind to humble people. Does anybody need some kindness? Do we live in a world today that could use a little kindness? Well, if you need more kindness... I can point you to one this morning who has all that you'll ever need. The Living Bible says he gives us more and more strength 
to stand against all such evil longings. Anybody tired? Anybody weary today of what's going on in our world? Has anybody lost strength for the journey? Can I tell you if you need more strength this morning? I have good news. I can point you to someone who's in the house this morning. His name is Jesus and he can give you what you need. The message puts it this way, and what he gives in love is far better and greater than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful and the proud. He gives grace to the willing humble. Anybody need a little more love? Scripture tells us that God is love. The very essence of who he is. Everything that flows from him flows from him through love. So if you need more love this morning, I have good news again. I can point you to one who you give you the love you need. The New Living Version, it says this, but he gives more loving favor. Anybody need more favor? I have good news to where you can find it this morning. God is here, and he has favor for you. The voice puts it this way. You may think that the situation is hopeless, but God gives us more grace when we turn away from our own interests. Anybody find yourself in a hopeless routine, in a hopeless situation, in kind of a roller coaster that seems to be just happening again and again and again? If you're in a hopeless situation, I have good news where you can find hope this morning. It is in the same one who gives love and kindness and peace and joy. It is in Jesus Christ. Another version says, but God helps you even more than that. So whatever you're going through this morning, God has even more help for you. So God gives more grace. He gives more kindness. He gives more strength. He gives more love. He gives more favor, more hope, more help. We just read about it. The Phillips version says, no, he gives us grace potent enough to meet this and every other evil spirit. What he gives is not just grace. It's not cheap grace or weak grace, but it is grace that is so strong that it can cover every situation in your life. It can gloss over every scene that's in your life. It can change every story that's in your life. It can chase out every spirit that's in your life. I'm here to tell you this morning that there is potent grace, and it is in the house this morning. He's working for you. But our God gives more grace. How many are glad he gives more grace this morning? This same Holy Spirit that is convicting us of our sin. Listen to this. It's the same Spirit that also gives us grace to live for God. It works in a twofold manner in our life. It convicts you of wrong, but yet it helps push you into a right place. You see, as people, we have so many weaknesses. Let's be honest. Paul said, I, I want to do right. Everything that's within me says I want to do right, yet I fail to do right over and over and over. But we have a God who covers that kind of humanity. 
He covers that kind of flesh. He covers that kind of weak strength that's inside of us as humanity. You see, humanity is weak, but our God, he is strong. Humanity, we are proud. We don't want help. We, we push people away, but not God. God is condescending. He left his throne in heaven to come down and be born in a manger and die on a cross so we could preach about grace this morning. Humanity, it's full of mistakes, yet our God, he is unchangeable. He is infallible. Humanity is constantly changing, but God never changes. Humanity kind of pokes one another. We provoke one another, but not God. God just forgives again and again and again and again. Seventy times seven he forgives. What does that mean? That means that his forgiveness is never going to run out. It just keeps happening again and again and again. He calls you close. I'm grateful for a God of grace who works in the house this morning. I'm thankful he gives me more grace. Because i got to be honest, there's times in my life when I need more grace. Spurgeon, the evangelist, he said, sin seeks to enter, but grace shuts the door. Sin tries to get the upper hand. But grace, which is stronger than sin, resists and will not permit it. Sin gets us down at times and puts its foot on our neck. But grace then comes to our rescue. Sin comes up like Noah's flood, but grace, it rides over the tops of the mountains just like the ark of God. The songwriter, he wrote, he said, I found a love that pardons. I found some stripes that heals. I found strength for my weakness. I found grace to cover all my sin. Where is it? It's in Jesus. All in Jesus. He's the one. Rock of salvation. He's my firm foundation. It's in Jesus. He's the one. I'm talking about Jesus this, mor this morning, and he's the God of more. If we suffer from spiritual poverty this morning, you don't have to stay in that state. You don't have to stay where you are. Everything is available in this house this morning to lift you out of that state of spiritual poverty, to lift, lift you out of that state of being lost. You just need to admit your need for God. You just need to acknowledge that he has everything you need and come to him with hands lifted and a heart that is open and he will heal you right where you are. The Apostle James, he continues to write, he said, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. You see, grace and pride, they are eternal enemies. Pride demands that God bless me in light of my merits and what I've done, whether real or imagined. But grace... It doesn't deal with us on the basis of anything that's in us. It doesn't deal with us on the basis of anything that we have done. But grace is received only on the basis of who God is and what he's done for us. James uses a powerful word in this phrase. He said, God resists the proud. That word actually means that God sets himself in battle array against the proud. A proud heart will never get through to God. It says, but he gives grace to the humble. You say, well, I know we don't earn it. No, it's not as if our humility earns the grace of God. 
Our humility simply puts us in the position to receive the gift of God. God, I'm empty. God, I need you. God, I can't do this on my own. And he says, because of this, he says, therefore, submit yourself to God. If God gives grace to the humble, let me tell you how you're going to get that grace. Submit yourself to God. If we desire the grace that is offered to the humble, there is really only one thing to do. We need to submit to God. This means that we order ourselves under, underneath God. To surrender to Him as a conquering king and start receiving the benefits of His reign in our life. There are so many reasons why humanity ought to submit to God. We have no reason to be so proud and so arrogant as a people to think that we don't need Him. We should submit to God simply because He created us. We should submit to God because His rule is good for us. You'll find it to be true. When you start to submit to God, when you start to walk by the precepts of the Word of God, it'll change your life. You'll realize what you thought was bad for you all the time was in fact good for you all the time. We should submit to God because resistance to God is really futile. There's a grace that's running after you. There's goodness and mercy that's running after you. You can run, but you can't hide. Eventually, grace and mercy, they're going to catch up with you. We should submit to God because such submission is absolutely necessary for salvation. Submission is simply giving control of your life to God. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46 Jesus says, and why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You see, true submission it will, put on will be put on display by the life that we live for God. James says, submit yourselves unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is a process that happens. If you do not submit to God, you can never hope to resist the devil. I said, if you don't submit yourself completely to God, you have ho no hope of resistance to sin. Unless you submit completely to God, you will remain constantly under the power and under the question of Satan. So the question for us this morning is, who do you want to be the master of your life? Do you want God? Do you want Jesus to be your master? Or do you want the enemy to be your master? It's an important decision because one of these two will ultimately become the master of your life. To solve the problem of flesh and to cause, solve the problems and the issues that it causes, we must learn to resist the devil. Resisting means to stand against the devil's deception. Stand against this fact that it might look good on the surface, but slowly he's taking things away from your life little by little by little. What was important to you in one day, it gets yanked from you the next. What was important to you that day, the next day that gets yanked from you. That's how he works. Resist the devil. 
But God attaches a promise to resisting the enemy. Resist the devil and we are promised that he will flee from us. This resisting, it comes from two Greek words, stand and against. James tells us to stand against the devil and he will flee. He has no choice in the matter. He has to go when this happens. Satan can be sent packing by the resistant of the weakest, weariest, wobbliest saint of God and believer that is in the house this morning. It doesn't matter if your strength is waning. It doesn't matter if it's gone. It doesn't matter if you feel it ebbing away. If you stand up in resistance, he will flee from you. That is the word. The famous ancient Christian writer Hermes, he said that the devil can wrestle against a Christian, but he cannot pin him. Saint of God, don't you dare give up because you cannot be defeated when you are submitting yourself to God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This call to draw near to God, it gives us both an invitation and a promise. It is no good. It is of no benefit to simply submit to God's authority, to resist the devil's attack and fail to draw near to God. It's a promise from God for you. God will come close to us when we come close to him. The commentator Clark, he said, when a soul sets out to seek God, God sets out to meet that soul. So that while we are drawing near to him, he is drawing near to us. What does it mean to draw near to God? It means to draw near in worship. It means to draw near in praise. It means to draw near in prayer. It means to draw near in purpose. It means to draw near by asking the counsel of God. God, what do you think about this matter? It means to draw near by enjoying constant communion with God. God, I want my relationship with you to be deep. I want it to grow. I want it to be fresh every day, Lord. Surely there's some way, that new way that I can draw near to you. Drawing near to God means living out your faith every day. What God really wants is to be near to man. God wants to have a close relationship, and he wants to have close fellowship with you and I. Musicians, you can come back and help me. If you go ahead and read the rest of James chapter 4, you'll see the results of drawing near to God. Drawing near to God helps us to resist the devil. Drawing near to God helps us to become pure. Drawing near to God helps us to sorrow for sin. Drawing near to God helps us to speak well of others. Drawing near to God helps us to think of eternal things more than earthly things. As we stand this morning, The challenge this morning would be, why don't we go ahead and just get close to God and watch the benefits that begin to bring, it begins to bring to our life. You see, whatever you need this morning, God wants to give you more. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 and 9, it says, And God can give you more blessings than you need. Then you'll have everything, then you will always have plenty of everything, enough to give to every good work. It is written in the scriptures, He gives freely to the poor. The things, are, uh, the things He does are right and will continue forever. You see, God wants to give you more blessings.
and I need this, God. Well, he wants to give you more blessings than you need, the writer says. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, you know what it says, Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. You see, your God does not lack in power to perform his promises. If you and I were to sit down and talk, I could promise you all kinds of things. But the truth is, I myself don't have power to make those come to pass. Now let's talk about him. When you sit down and talk with him, and he makes a promise, he has the power to bring it to pass. He has the power to take care of that need that is in your life. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. What are these things that the author is talking about here? If you read the verses previous, you'll find it's really the cares of life. Everything that causes you and I to be worried. Everything that causes you and I to have anxiety as we go through our routine of life. There's a powerful promise here for us. If we'll put God first, if we'll put our priorities in order, it begins to release blessing into our life. It begins to release more grace into your life, more kindness into your life, more favor into your life, more love into your life. If we put him first, God says, I'll meet you there. When we put the spiritual over the material, when we put God's agenda ahead of our own agenda, we can confidently expect him to provide for our every need. I've never seen God fail. He's the God of more. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 8, it says, The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee, in thy storehouses, and in all that settest in thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord God shall give to you. God has some things that he wants to give you this morning. He has some blessings that he wants to be part of your life. So you need to get ready. You're going to be blessed in the home. You're going to be blessed in the field. You're going to be blessed when you come and when you go. You'll be blessed when you sit down and when you rise up. The God of more, he has a gift for you this morning. 2 Corinthians 9 and 15, Paul the Apostle, he says, Thanks be to God for his gift. That is too wonderful for words. The King James says his unspeakable gift. It's indescribable. The songwriter wrote it as joy unspeakable and full of glory. You can receive the Spirit of God this morning. It'll be accompanied by more grace, more peace, more love. Everything you came into this house looking for this morning, you can have it. But it's all through the power in the presence of the name of Jesus. The Spirit of God is a gift that he has for you, but it's truly the gift that keeps on giving. I think in a crowd this size, it's easy to say there's needs of every kind that are here. Well, I'm glad to say that our God 
He meets needs of every kind. You look into some of this Greek mythology and they'll have the God of the sun and the God of the moon and the God of fertility, our God. He covers it all. You don't have to memorize a whole bunch of other names. You just speak the name of Jesus and all the power of the name of Jesus comes to your side. As they begin to sing this morning, I'm going to invite the crowd that is here to come to the altar. And together we're going to seek the name of Jesus. Together we're going to draw close to God. And he's going to draw close to us. God wants to fill somebody with his spirit today. God wants to heal your body today. God wants to deliver you today. Come on, God wants to do things in just one moment that we've been seeking a lifetime to have done. God's going to do it in just a few moments here this morning. Let's sing.